Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis, new and improved podcasting as Praxis with better equipment. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Rob and mine are also he and him. And I'm Alistair and I'm also he and him. Sounds a bit better, doesn't it? It does sound better, though. It's strange to have Rob being the pauper who's still on a shitty mic. If anything, you'd expect it to be the other way around. That's true. I am once again travelling the world, or visiting my parents, whichever comes first. Are your parents on the world? (laughs) Occasionally. (laughs) On the world. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we're back, full cast, we're all here. I have returned. Um, I I had to take last week off because I was just just fucked. Uh, But I'm now no longer fucked, so... Now he's fucking uh, furious. Yeah, and there's (laughs) a... There's a only twenty percent chance I'll be called out of this podcast recording session to go do work. So, <laughs> and I'm dying in my sweatbox. So we have all, all that going for us. Welcome to this recording. Yay. Yeah, all the things necessary for another fantastic episode of podcasting is praxis. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, us being fucking miserable, and it's too warm. Yeah, we we just for benefit listeners, we just spent the better part of an hour trying to get all the audio working, and uh, yeah, it was like the scene in Event Horizon where you get a recording of them all tearing each other apart, that but in audio form. Anyway, okay, so let's uh, let's kick off. So, like I said, I had a bit of time off, and I was fucked. I'm no longer fucked, and part of the reason I'm no longer fucked is because I was reinvigorated by the posting. <laughs> it's been very powerful today. It's been so good. It's been so good. And the reason that the posting has been so good is because the direct action has also been good. It really has. Oh, it's been all so the, fucking good. All the worst fucking people are extremely annoyed over events over the last week or so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely pissing and moaning to degrees hitherto unknown. Beautiful. And this is all because the RMT has organised a strike... And a lot of people don't like that. The RMT have managed to defeat Ukraine, even though Vladimir <laughs> Putin couldn't. <laughs> we had about we had about yeah. nine main characters today. <laughs> yeah, it happened really fucking quick. Yeah, but yeah. Part of the other reasons why it's been the posting has been so good is because of the uh, the flight that got grounded uh, that was going to take a bunch of the refugees to Rwanda and they uh, all got stays on de- being deployed which is great and uh, Melanchon did a lot better than uh, fucking Macron was certainly hoping for and the centrists are realising how well I say the centrist the centrist Ian Dunn is perhaps coming to a <laughs> startling realisation that centrism might not be all it's cracked up to be is he fuck us like no he'll have yeah. forgotten he'll have forgotten it like Already, yeah, and then and then time is going to elapse, and then uh, he's going to forget that things have happened. His, also, uh, his... also, not all of the postman was good in response to the the Rwanda flight because did you see that fucking um, was it was it Lilico? Oh, if it was Lilico, it was fucking atrocious. That's guaranteed. The like um, the sending people deporting people to Rwanda is exactly the same as what the Good Samaritan did in the Bible. Yeah, I saw that. It made me very, very angry. With the name Andrew not making a good name for themselves. Has to be no. said. Sorry, Andrew Law, if you're listening to this for some reason. Yeah, fuck you, Andrew Adonis, if you're listening. <laughs> mm, yeah, always. No, the, um, there was that fucking uh, Marina Hyde article where she was like, well, this is proven that it's all just talk. All of it's talk, and it's like there was a fucking plane on the runway. Yeah, but that was just to annoy Ian Dunn. The real protagonist of reality. 
Yeah, okay. like oh no, this this TV show uh, that life is uh, is these events are happening specifically to annoy me, not because they're actually taking place in the actual real world that we li- we in- all inhabit. Yeah. Fucking. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, all of that aside, um, I, we are going to be talking about the strikes, and I will, you know, note the S at the end of that. Save that for later. How do we get here? Uh, the government has cut about four billion pounds from the combined budget of Network Rail and TfL, which has resulted in the bosses of Network Rail and TfL just doing what they always do and trying to gut the paying conditions of workers. Also, let's not forget that this was. Um that cut also for TFL was specific because TFL was about to go, well, was close to going bust during Rona. And then the government said, well, we'll only fund TFL if you give us like control over a lot more and the finances and the budget. So that's one of the reasons that TFL is getting fucked is they had to sign like a blood contract under duress with the central government. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they absolutely fucked it over purely because the mayor is not a fucking Tory. Um, which again, debatable in some ways, uh, but yeah. So the things that they're doing are basically—it's what they always fucking do. They're expecting people to work longer, for longer, and all for a shittier pension. Uh, they're cutting a bunch of things, like fifty percent of safety inspections on rail infrastructure, hmm. and also facilitating mass redundancies, of which there's no guarantees about whether or not they'll be like compulsory. Can someone uh, can someone remind me if it's good, uh, if safety inspections on rails and yeah, no, it's it's fine, Alistair, because is... you can automate that these days. It's just you, uh, oh, you yeah. go to the technology yeah, yeah. wizard and then you say mm-hmm. one safe train, please. Yeah, you just put five trains on one screen and you've saved so much money. <laughs> Imagine five trains <laughs> at the end of a cliff. I'm I'm running mm. seven instances of Train Simulator 2021, and you will not believe how safe the trains are in real life now. Um, along with that shit, though, they're also doing internal fire and rehire. Cool. Uh, which, yeah, so in other words, forcing a fucking contract on someone for basically the same job, but with less pay or get to fuck, mm. which, yeah. Awesome. So they balloted all the members and they went on fucking strike. And we love to see it. Yeah. We fucking do. Up the workers. Um, They are on strike today. They're recording Tuesday. They'll be on strike again on Thursday and on Saturday this week. And they'll be manning picket lines nationally. Uh, So find your nearest big train station. Might see a picket line. Go say hi. Give me support. Uh, And explicitly do not cross it. Yeah, unless you're on your way to kill Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) i don't know there's many things you can say about dr robotnik he might want to like turn all animals into robots etc but i don't know strike breaker honestly Mm. i don't think dr robotnik would stoop to working for the iea if i'm fairly honest with you (laughs) yeah he's got more character and principle than that yeah and it's canon he's a feminist so surely i mean that might imply his politics aren't completely irredeemable I'm going to leave the Dr. Robotnik cannon to you, James. I'm going to just park that. <laughs> I'm just going to assume from this point on that he's actually just a really cool fucking third world Maoist or some it's, shit like that. And just leave it's, it frankly, uh, it's frankly disgusting that you're all dead naming Dr. Eggman. <laughs> I know, his real name's Robotnik. Eggman is the nickname that I've said too much. Yeah, you have, yeah. Yeah, trap sprung. James, uh, go anyway, on. So... <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, since, welcome to the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. Deviant Art page. 
One second, I'm just going to type David the Hedgehog into Google, be right back. No, 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 let's not, let's not. So, swerving that shit, uh, let's actually talk about something potentially funnier, which is some of the reactions to the strike. Because as we know, that's where the comedy lies, is watching these fucking fools lose their minds over the most minor of shit. First up, the Lib Dems. Did we all see the Lib Dem tweet? Uh, It was only briefly there. So briefly. Yeah, the dirty delete tweet, yeah. Um, Frankly, the government and RMT are just as bad as each other. The country oh, yeah, is sick of them both playing politics with people's lives. Imagine a government playing politics. Imagine yeah. playing politics with people's lives. I mean, you might get like a back tax out of that. I know. Well, a, a trade union and a government would would take things to do with either of those. Thank mm. you, thank you, Lib Dems, for once again proving that bullying works. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. See what you, what you just do is you put all all your society's demands into the big graphic calculator you carry around in your breast pocket, and then you just press mm-hmm. start, and then it gives you the outcome. That's how politics works. And the answer is fuck you. The answer <laughs> is five B for a plastic for a plastic bag in exchange for killing one hundred sixty thousand people. This fucking tweet is like the 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 next best ideological snapshot since then. Yeah. For the one hundred percent. Did you see the fucking idiot in the replies who posted that fucking, um, like, political cartoon from, like, the 19th century of uh, the oh, Penny Farthing? Oh, the bikes, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Posting that in my fucking steampunk hat while I'm at it. <laughs> people, people were pointing out that's satirical, and it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Perfectly encapsulates my politics. How could it be a joke? <laughs> uh, uh, so... We'll move on for the Lib Dems because obviously the Lib Dems will be fucking shit on this. I was just astonished to hear from the Lib Dems. I genuinely thought they died. I'd, I'd forgotten they existed. They have. Um, they have. So it's fine. Um, so the party of Labour. Will we start from the top? Will we, will we look at the saviour of left-wing yeah, Labour? Take, take it from the top. Andy Burnham was asked what he thinks about Labour frontbenchers who were told not to join picket lines. And he said, I'm going to leave that one. That's just good politics, uh, that man. Uh, yeah, here's sensible, an opportunity for you to show politics. any any degree of spine, and I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna leave it. Just no, thank you. Next one. Yeah. Why? Why? Why would you? Why would you? Well, and also, like, it's um, it's just it's just fucking shades of. You remember when Andy Burnham was like a hero to like the soft left for when he did that thing of looking at his phone somewhere during Rona, and to be fair, he did a decent thing with like getting more money for Manchester. And then, like, well, he was a hero again, and everybody forgot that this is who he's been all along, because I fucking remember yeah. him from 2015 and 16. I yeah. mean, Andy Burnham is one of those people who, like, he is less bad than a fucking... To- if a Tory was, like, uh, mayor, of Ma- mayor of Manchester or whatever, but as soon as he came anywhere close to the actual, you know, the actual Labour Party machine, then I would not trust him to cross the fucking road without... Somehow throwing me under the bus, you know. Yeah, he's got huge mugs on immigration energy. He's he's oh, very much team. the sort of person who wants to get the buses running so he can throw you under them. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so part of that, though, the first part there about the labour front benches. Labour front benches have been told not to go anywhere near the picket lines. Uh, that's the order from Starmer's office. <laughs> yeah. God forbid you're seen with labour. 
Yeah, they will be disciplined in a, an at present unknown way <laughs> by the whips office. The whips will decide what to do after the strikes because I assume that they need to focus group what punishment would look best or some shit like that. No can idea. We, can we also talk about like the um, the reasoning for why uh, they're being told not to join the picket lines? Uh, what one one uh, theory that I sort of can't remember which it was some fucking idiot journo. Um, I mean they were kind of blending to each other eventually, yeah. but uh, they were saying that um, because it would be perfect bait for like or perfect fodder, sorry, for a general election campaign where you say, oh, these these people want to take you back to the 70s, uh, even though the thing that is allegedly going back to the 70s, i.e. strikes happening, is happening under the Tories. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. If you, want a, if you want an indication of how well it's going just now, I've just went on to Twitter and it's um, trending in United Kingdom, hashtag never label. So, yeah, it's going well. They're still they're still getting fucked over because like every single cunt in the right is like ah like they secretly support the strikes. Keir Starmer loves it because they keep quoting shit that he said in his pledges in twenty twenty to try and get um, the leader's job, and it's all it's all coming up great for him. I can't believe they've managed to outplay him at like nine D chess. It's because it's not a memo writing competition. Are you saying are you saying David that? having no consistent principles is perhaps actually a bad thing in politics. Well, let's not say he's got no consistent principles. It's, it's very consistent you if you have all principles. <laughs> he is all principles to all people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, um, I've actually just I, I found um, something interesting on Twitter. Uh, Ten MPs and Labour's top team have signalled support for striking rail workers and five have defied an order not to pick it including a shadow minister and a party whip. Now, the rule was that it was only um, shadow minister, anyone with a fucking position, shadow ministers or PPSs that weren't allowed to go because obviously they're not going to try and police the back benches where they think they've put all of the most left-wing ones. Uh, but I've got a handy little list. I love to have a list. Um, Thanks, Paul. <laughs> yeah, we do like us a good list. <laughs> no, list can be good as well. Uh, so Nav Mishra, who is a whip, uh, Kate Osborne, the Shadow Northern Ireland PPS, Mick Whitley, the Shadow Climate PPS, Alex Sobel, the Shadow Environment Minister, and Paula Barker, the Shadow Defence PPS. They have all been on picket lines. Um, Tell which, you what, though, like, we, could, we could definitely do with some fucking Shadow Climate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Say, just the, out of curiosity, I assume there was a strong presence from the entire socialist campaign group who were out together with a strong statement. I'm assuming that's I what probably. I do you know what I haven't looked into it. I don't care because they're fucking irrelevant. Um, but these five have decided that they'll go at the picket lines. What happens to them? Like I say, it'll be focus tested. We'll find out later. Uh, Anna Sarwar was also out, but uh, Scottish Labour kills. And the only other one here that it says um, supportive of real strike. The only other name beyond those six who was supportive but hasn't been to a picket line is Wes Streeting. Yeah, because well, he, he apologised for being supportive, though. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. He he's, did. A, he's already apologised for preemptively going to the going to the. Um, to yeah, the picket, he did. So he, he can't did, go now. He did the clever thing. He he got out in front. He said the support bit, and then he rode it back before the order was given about discipline. So he has beat Starmer at the all principles at all times game. It's called playing both sides. Yeah, that way he'll always come out on top. I honestly think he's fucked. Um, like, I don't think you can. Who? I don't think. 
uh, street. Nah. Nah. No? Nah. Nah. He just jumped the gun. Like, that's that's it. It doesn't matter. Again, like, no, nothing that these people do matters because it's all about shit that other people want follow and project I, onto them anyway. They're all hollow I, vessels for other people in the party to project towards. See, I, I think he's kind of blown it just because now the right wing, which would have supported him, is going to go, yeah, but he went out on, you know, he went out on the pickets. Well, they know they know that he's their guy, right? Well, put it this way, I'm looking at this list and it signals whether or not they have been supportive if they've not been supportive or if they've been ambiguous, would you like to know how many have said that they were not supportive of the strikes? Go on. One. One <laughs> Labour MP. Pat McFadden. Of course. <laughs> Pat McFucking Fadden, come on down and claim your cunt prize. Isn't isn't he Phil Mitchell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's like it. Jamie. Um, he's, uh, he's desiccated uh, uh, Phil Mitchell. He's like he's, he's if you buried him in a tomb for a hundred years, you'd get you'd get Pat McFadden. There have been apparently sixty nine nice Labour MPs just have not made their opinion known whatsoever about the strikes. Uh, like sixty nine, that's not exactly a small proportion of the parliamentary party. So yeah, cool. The party of Labour doing fucking great. We love to see it. We love to see it. What about members of the public, though? How are members of the public taking it? Oh, no. Well, what? very, very oh. normally. Um, yeah. For example, there was an egg in Manchester who got very annoyed. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at RMT Union, don't say you haven't been warned about my planned confrontation oh, of your picket lines today. <laughs> and all strike days. Just be thankful I'm flying solo on this one, but trust me, I won't be quiet. You're misspelt gonna feel my wrath every last one of you hashtag real strikes are unnecessary <laughs> can't, a very can't normal wait. egg can't wait to feel his wrath though <laughs> the key the key part of this though is that he is flying solo because um is this the guy who was like the, the reason he's mad is because he was trying to get he back was gonna, with his ex he's gonna turn up unannounced at his ex's house yes yeah, it was and can't now because mm. the trains are cancelled <laughs> yeah, so yet again proving that strike action is actually a very cool and good thing. Yeah, so if, if you're listening to this and your your ex-boyfriend is like a really raggy egg cunt, then just fuck <laughs> it my, you know what I mean, move house now before he gets to you. Yeah. <laughs> the BBC ran an incredible fucking article um, uh -huh. titled, Rail Strikes, The Passengers Who Feel They Will Miss Life Events. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck off! Oh, my heart fucking bleeds, man. All right, oh, all right. Give me, give me a life there. event, David. Tell who's, me, who's tell me taken, what we're missing. Who's out. taken the train to life events? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Not me, certainly. Right, I can't afford like eight hundred quid for a fucking ticket. I, so, I yeah. thought that I thought that board game had little cars, but I may be wrong about that. So uh, Adam Roberts from Lee on the Solent has been unable to get to London where he works as a freelance bike fitter at cycle shops four days a week. So okay. getting to work is the life event that he's missing out on. Right. Uh, I was I really was expecting something more like the birth of my septuplets uh, or something. A freelance a freelance bike fitter like is there a picture of him? Because I imagine he's hipster as fuck. <laughs> yeah I was gonna there, say there is, yeah waxed mustaches uh, everywhere. Yeah. The show notes were long enough, so I didn't include them. He's, um, getting, paid, he's getting paid a lot for those like uh, freelance bike fittings because it's like no one else in, in the Greater London area can do penny farthings. <laughs> no, I can assure you there's plenty of people who can in fucking Greater London. Um, 
this is a busy time of year for me. It's a specialist job that's very seasonal, and this is a time when I'd be earning the bulk of my money, but it's a complete write-off, says Mr. Roberts. Huh? Well, well he considered... <laughs> how How is it seasonal? I'm really confused. How is bike repair seasonal? Because more people are using their bikes oh, in the summer. Oh, because bikes that's, hibernate that's in like, winter. I forget this. No, it's just yeah. people get lazy and don't bother because the British I mean, winter is miserable as fuck. Like, that's... that's fail at that bit I'm not going to grudge him he's kind of like fine whatever but um, while he considered driving part of the way he faces the same problem of trains not running early enough plus he needs to get the tube when he reaches London he says I don't understand I don't understand why such a skeleton service is being run even Mm. on days when the strike isn't even on it's a complete farce has he considered cycling a bike do you know what, right? If he's like, if he's a fucking bike wizard, like physician, heal thyself. <laughs> has, has he possibly fucking considered that the reason there's like really shitty services being run, even on days where the strikes, you know, aren't going, is because the money isn't getting pumped into fucking services because they will not pump the money into fucking staff. All right, so we've had the 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 bike wizard. Who else is sad? Um, we have um. Wajma Mansouri, a nurse living in West London, says she has no idea how she will get to work on Tuesday evening to look after patients in palliative care. We are talking about patients' lives and the emergency service workers who are already stretched, low paid and going through the trauma of the pandemic. We (sighs) nurses work round the clock in low paid stressful jobs, dealing with life and death situations. I understand why people would want to go on strike but it has to be done in a sensible fashion. Do you know, the more this is going on, the more I'm feeling up the wobbly is one big union for everyone. Just so like, this, I know. mean, it would be better, yeah. Do you know what it is, though? It's like, I, I don't want to... I'm, I'm not trying to disparage the work that nurses or, like, anyone does, but this isn't the emergency... Like, not everyone yeah. who works in the NHS is the emergency services. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you call an ambulance, they don't turn up like, you know, you might think they took them four hours because they travelled there by train, but I assure you, they fucking didn't. <laughs> it's not like the fucking fire brigade are all, like, stood outside a station somewhere going, ah, well, your house is burning down, but I don't want to cross a picket line. Yeah, terribly sorry, the fire truck has to come by train before we can go out, so you're screwed. I mean, Jamie, depends yeah. on yeah. whose house is burning down, because I can think of a few at the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, I've got one more example here from another another member of the public. Oh, <laughs> is this the very casual member of the public? <laughs> if this if yes. this, if this, this life event that they can't get to is work again, I'm going to find them and beat them to death. No, th- this, <laughs> this isn't. This is actually from a different article. Um, right. But a girl at a London school is planning oh, a four and that. a half... <laughs> <laughs> is planning a four and a half hour journey to make her maths A level exam on Tuesday as the rail strike is set to cause severe travel disruption. Other pupils have had to book hotels or stay with friends as the country braces for the first day of the walkout, the worst train strike for three decades. The travel headache described by the head teacher of the City of London School for Girls yeah. is just one example of the disruption mm. facing millions that's, of people. That's this a casual week. school, that is. I had, I had a quick look, quick well, look well, at that yeah, casual def- school. No, it's, it's definitely a casual school. Jenny Brown said the double whammy of a rail in London tube strike on Tuesday was especially problematic for the central London school, where the vast majority use public transport. Let's have a look at the fees on that school. Um, £6,888 per term, exclusive of school lunches. 
Imagine paying that much fucking money for your kid to go to school and you still have to fork out for the fucking foie gras. Fucking can't even say it. It's so incredulous. Uh, foie gras at lunch. Yeah, just fucking absolute fucking joke. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> the smallest plate a school has ever seen. Stop trying to get me to feel sympathy for private fucking school kids. Bull. Imagine though, imagine if like you saved up the 18 grand a year to send your kid to this private school and then like the thing that tipped it over into like being unaffordable was the train fare on top. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, quite frankly, if you're going to school for 18K a year, you should get like your own disc of Zinch to just like fly you there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, that's, that's some reactions from the public. So let's focus on some reactions from the media. Um, this is big, um, big, big Corbin Yields type shit. Their fears are our hopes, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah, Daily Mail tears are our is, nourishment. Yes, the Daily Mail is fucking terrified because workers are learning that they may have power, Good. and they are beginning to see what happens if said things are joined up and roughly coordinated in time, at very least. And I so, welcome uh, their hatred. <laughs> here's a couple of headlines from the Daily Mail from today. Uh, Barristers vote to strike this month over legal aid funding and teachers threaten to walk out next term unless they get a 12% pay rise as doctors, bin men and postmen plot to join summer of strikes. Plot. Yeah. Second second headline. Like they're meeting in a fucking cellar somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Summer strikes, plague spreads... Teachers, doctors, binmen, barristers and policemen could join rail workers in heaping walkout misery oh, upon yeah. Britain. Oh. So what <laughs> I've done is night. I have... This is podcasting after dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have collated some examples of the things which they feel. So, mm. hang on, in the transport the, sector... Uh, should we get that fucking Skyrim, the one day Theo music on in the background for this? Because it's got <laughs> extreme kind of... Legends have foretold the dreaded strike... Let, let me just put on my too small kimono before you start talking again. <laughs> so in transport, uh, not only are the current strikes by the RNT currently going on, but there's upcoming ballots of TSSA members mm. in uh, network rail and other train companies that could result in more strikes, similar strikes, by July. Mm. Can we can we actually th- talk about how fucking good uh, Mick Lynch has been today as well? Because yeah, fucking holy king. shit, one one man army of like just kicking the shit out of every single fucking <laughs> uh, news broadcaster in the country in one day by just I not giving God, a shit him, about the him stupid doing, game. Um, uh, new phone who diss on Jenny Chapman was fucking glorious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. <laughs> That was good. I think my favourite one was the K Burley interaction. Like that was yeah, just yeah. fucking beautiful. Like yeah, she was yeah. actively goading him into saying, "So what happens if people do cross the picket lines? What happens if they don't listen to being asked? What happens? Mick? Are you going to beat Mitch? them? Are you going to punch them? Are you going to yeah. force them? Yeah. She, well, it was. It, it was like, um, what, what kind of picket lines are you talking about? And she was like, like the miners' strike, and he just turned around and he went. It's just a picket at a train station. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was just the, great, that was the greatest part. Is there's literally, like, uh, striking workers behind him just, you know, calmly stood there doing doing their doing their picketing very, very uh, coolly. And <laughs> and just, he turns around and like, what What do you think this is going to turn into? <laughs> yeah, sitting, like, this isn't Orgrieve. Like, fuck off. 
It should be, but it's there's not. No, there's not even... I mean, well, I will. It, perhaps with a different outcome. With a different yeah. result, um, Nash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, Mick Lynch has been fucking fantastic. Just outright calling government ministers liars, um, basically saying that backbenchers should shut the fuck up because they're just feeding lines they don't understand. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just been so good. Yeah, yeah. oh my God. Just, yeah, like, he is obviously, obviously knows his shit because, you know, he's the head of a union that incorporates a shitload of uh, transport workers. And you're just some backbench MP that's been given, oh yeah, you need to bring up these talking points on this show. Uh, and he talks I about. The, um, I think the technical term for the head of a union is a baron, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, be, I bet he goes on holiday and everything, and drives those, a car. The prick. Those, those uh, union barons of the gilded age with their golden swimming pools. And hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, David, keep talking dirty to me. Also in transport, there are uh, five hundred Heathrow-based British Airways check-in staff that are being balloted, um, which is over a refusal to reverse a 10% pandemic pay cut that they took, which will likely also result in strikes in July. So that's going to be more rail strikes and Heathrow fucking strikes in July. No no one can escape this fucking hellhole until we get a raise. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. We have the NASUWT, uh, one of the teachers' unions, will ballot um, if they do not get given, just given straight up uh, a 12% pay rise. So they are preempting the uh, offer and just saying it better be this much otherwise we'll ballot fucking beautiful God, the yeah. NEU have been offered 3% of a pay rise which doesn't come close to covering inflation um, and that's just for this year let alone this, it's not spread back or anything like that uh, and they're potentially going to get balloted as well uh, obviously with teachers unions pay isn't the only dispute uh, pay has been decreasing in real terms over the last few years but workload has been dramatically increasing at the same time mm. and Altogether, those unions have over 750,000 members nationally. Yeah, keep talking, David. Big strike. Keep going. Big strike. Yeah. Uh, communications workers, shout out to uh, Jordan. The oh, does he, is he the guy that the, does the music on the other podcast? Yes, yes, on the other podcast, yes. <laughs> Which podcast's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one. Uh, BT Group <laughs> is facing its first national industrial action ballot since 1987. And BT Group is BT, it's Open Reach, it's EE, so like, again, quite a lot involved in that. Gamers rise up. And Royal Mail staff <laughs> have been offered a 2% wage rise. And today, Ooh. the communications workers' union served notice to Royal Mail Group bosses that they intend to ballot their members. Fuck yeah. And with good Several calls. servants. Uh, I, I'm nowhere near finished this list. There's so many. Uh, civil servants, so we've got um, barristers. Um, I've included them with civil servants here. They kind of are, but kind of not. Uh, but they are striking over the next four weeks uh, due to what is effectively a near 30% pay cut that they've taken um, and also a 43% real terms cut to the legal aid budget over the last couple of decades. Yeah, that's been a fucking disgrace. Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um and uh, PCS Union is voting in September for a 10% pay rise across the civil service with about 180,000 members taking part in that one. Uh, next up, we've got local government. Um, so this is the bins. Woo! Uh, Oh, yep, the bins. Uh, up the fucking bins. Remember the when bins the bins are going to be hard again. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, waste management, library staff, teaching assistants, and care workers have all 
been backed in parts, you know, just responsible for them by Unison, GMB, and Unite. So that's three of the biggest unions in the in the country. Yeah. What about um, um? What about that weird parish council nonce that we were in with on Twitter the other week? Is he on um, strike? I don't know or care. Um, I hope he is, and I hope he's not <laughs> from, in the union. And I hope he loses party. his job. <laughs> oh, I, I, do not, I vaguely remember him, but yeah, fuck it, I don't know or care. Um, but yeah, so. They, those three unions have backed local government staff for the demand of an at least £2,000 increase in yearly salary. All right, excellent. Extremely fucking here for it. Fucking great. And the NHS um, and General Health Services, the British Medication Association, BMA, intends to ballot members over junior doctors' pay, demanding a restorative 22% pay rise. Outstanding. Fuck yep. yeah. The Royal the Royal College of Nursing is demanding a five percent above inflation pay rise. So that's oh, like yes. a seventy percent rise at the moment. That's fucking great because yeah. they've been fucked over repeatedly in the last decade. Yes. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh you the Union Unison has threatened strike action if the next pay offer uh that comes in for uh NHS staff is anything under inflation. Inflation currently being noted as at 9.2%. In real terms, so, it's closer to 12, though, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, it is, yes. Yeah, yeah, it depends on, on how you do numbers, at, yeah. Fuckstein, but it's anywhere between 9 and 12%. Yeah. Depending on the day. Yeah. I think everyone so, should get a pay rise like of the same amount that fucking gas prices have gone up. Oh, <laughs> no, but don't you understand, though? That will lead to rampant inflation. Oh, no. Do I, do I look like I give a fuck? Jamie, no. your assets could um, be worth less if there's inflation. <laughs> oh, rip, rip me. I know, we just bought these microphones, fuck's sake. Yeah. I, no. look, and the chair. And the chair and all, yeah. My precious Beanie Baby collection is about to go down the toilet. <laughs> and the fucking the drawn tablet that I'm, I'm just like itching to fucking get onto Jackbox with. <laughs> oh, so, my, um, could you imagine there was a fucking... <laughs> Beanie Baby version of each of us. Uh, so we've got the Honey Monster. Uh, I feel like J- uh, David would be Grimace for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> A red Grimace. Yes, that's David already. Yes. Right. <laughs> Say one thing about Wes Streeton and accelerationism and here you fucking go, you're Grimace. No, that just confirms it, David. That's, that's very much, no, no, not Grimace. Not that me. is what a Grimace would say. <laughs> so that's all the strikes we've got to look forward to, or potential strikes, I should say, but um, probable, let's be honest. What does the government intend to do about this? How do you think this government intends to um, massage the public towards not supporting the strikers? Having everyone shot? They yeah. will just pay them. They'll just pay them. Uh, no, it's neither of those things. Um, thankfully, the first one. Unfortunately, the second one. Well, if uh, uh, if the um, their reaction to uh... are they going to deport more people? Um, yes, but not for this. Yeah, but if their reaction to what the RMT want uh, is anything to go by, they're just going to sit there and go, "Oh, it's not up to us. It's between us. It's between the uh, the striking workers and their employer because." You know, we've conveniently farmed out all of these uh, public institutions to the private sector. We can wash our hands of it. It's nothing to do with us. It's Labour's strikes. So the only reasonable course of action (laughs) for the the British public is to thank Keir Starmer. (laughs) Yeah. I I honestly think they're they're waiting until this does maximum damage to Labour and Labour come out against the strikes, at which point 
they'll then turn around and just cut a deal. Like, I, I am think- going to. I am going to. Um, oh, I've just seen um, also trending and. Uh, the UK is hashtag Cheels Keel. It's going so well. Um, no, what they're going to do is if you hark back to COVID. Um, what do you mean oh, back fucking, to? No, it's it's the pandemic that's over, mate. That's 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 the the one that I'm harking back to because it's all finished now. But really, what I'm saying is, uh, like the initial stages of that. Uh, Boris Johnson said that uh, Britons must endure these strikes and perhaps more in order to beat the union and reform the railways. He said, we need, I'm afraid, everybody, and I say this to the country as a whole, we need to get ready to stay the course. To stay the course because these reforms, these improvements in the way we run our railways are in the interest of the travelling public. They will help to cut costs for fare pails up and down the country. Someone should thank that cunt. Yeah, in other words, um, shut the fuck up. And just like pretend everything's normal, and eventually economy will be better for it. Oh. So it's just the COVID line again. Johnson's found this one weird fucking trick of uh, just don't really do anything and pray that it works out. And he survived the first time he did that on a massive national event. So now it's the sticking plaster for anything that comes up. Also, and everything that's, else that's is exactly work. He's not going to fucking like do anything else. To be fair, no. to be fair, ignoring a problem and hoping it goes away is kind of how I deal with problems. So I can yeah. respect that. <laughs> yeah, but that's 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 not what he's doing here. What he's doing here is he's like he's given the sort of like the nod to all the fucking you know that that like fucking tragic egg cunt from Manchester and his ilk, <laughs> where it's mm. like yeah, go down to the picket line and like maybe do a fucking like murder or two. You've you've got my support because we need to crush the unions to make to save Brexit. <laughs> yeah, to to some degree, but at the same time, like he's been incredibly fucking measured in it. Like, if you consider what he's normally like, he could easily be much more fucking damaging than this. And I genuinely think this is more of a, I'm just going to try and pretend it's not happening type thing. He's just had his nose replaced, so you know what I mean? He's probably on the good drugs. I can't believe I got a fucking alert on my fucking phone about that. What, about the good drugs? (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) The other thing that they're saying at the moment is, we shouldn't want pay rises. That's true. Yeah. Because dread I mean, inflation, inflation might, is so might come. high. Yeah. Oh wait, dread inflation yeah. is already here. Why? Well, how? Wait, how do we have inflation if nobody's got a pay rise? I'm really confused. Tragically for everyone involved, those cunts aren't the boss of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Downing Street also urged private sector organisations to show restraint in awarding pay rises. Spokesperson said that given inflation was nudging double digits, we need to, as a country, avoid doing anything that would stoke inflationary pressures further. They said there were a number of factors that could stoke inflation that people need to be mindful of, and that pay rises could be one of those areas that could be of detriment. Right, right. Right, we're gonna now we're gonna go back to fucking school because this is the nineteen fucking seventies. Mm-hmm. It's not a wage price spiral. It's literally shit. Be expensive. Energy is expensive because Russia food is in- expensive because the grains fucked and the energy's fucked and the climate's fucked. Everything else is expensive because China's not making enough fucking semiconductors. And even if they could, the supply chains have taken it up the ass. That's why shit is expensive. I'm. I beg you to stop being so moronic. But then, of course, the point is for you to be moronic that's oh i mean that's exactly what i was saying like what what happened with france how much did their energy bills go up by on average it's something like two percent wasn't it four 
4% compared to the insane percentage that it is in this country. I don't even lost fucking track of what it is right now. Okay, but the reason reason for that is that, like, in France, they'll go out and burn a bunch of cars if you fuck them. Yes! Yes! And for... uh, there is there is, there are lessons to be drawn from that. British people are like fucking cowards. Do you know what I mean? As much as they might fucking as much as they might like fucking rattle on about the French always surrendering and shit. Like next to next <laughs> to the, the the fucking glorious population of France, your average Brit is a fucking massive pussy. They are actually right about the French always surrendering. It's just that they're always talking about the French police. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, Johnson's spokesperson also admitted that his pledge of a high-wage economy remained more of an objective, given the <laughs> shot to it's medium idea, term... Really. He's more of an yeah. ideas guy. <laughs> Just a vibe. Um, given the short to medium term inflationary pressures, they said, and this is fucking beautiful, the government needs to adapt to some of the global challenges we're seeing caused by exiting a pandemic and war in Europe. <laughs> But that does not change our ambition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's the one. It's the fucking. It's the cheat code for getting the British public to literally let you get away with like shitting directly into their mouths is to like fucking imply that it's somehow blitz spirit. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Well, people have if to, we start, people have to like just buckle down and like you know what I mean and live off like fucking bird shit and rainwater. Well, because that's, that's what that's what they would have had to do, like under the Nazis. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you don't and want that, Hitler that, to win again, do you? And and that is just the economic reality of where we find ourselves at the moment. Also, apparently. did you know that um, Hitler was the head of the National Socialist Party? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, these are, these are things that you can only say if you're like like the Tories. You're just playing politics on easy mode. Yeah, mm. um, playing politics incredible. with people's lives on easy mode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking, of, hang on. Oh, Hashtag general strike now is trending now in the UK. Excellent. This is progressing quite well. I will keep you updated. I've got a tweet from Seb Payne. Oh, fuck you, briefcase. The sentient, (laughs) the sentient briefcase. Um, Lifting the banker's bonuses cap is an obvious thing to do. It costs the government nothing and the city needs all the help it can get after Brexit. Some folks will play class warfare, but... (sighs) The government urgently needs to take some pro-business action. That's that's doing class warfare, you prick! You fucking bespectacled cunt! What the (laughs) fuck? This same guy was saying that uh, we can't uh, give uh, striking workers pay rises. Like, the same breath! The same fucking breath! Yeah, that the central bank was Jesus. that the central bank was right to say that people should moderate their wages. I, I, what I will say about Seb Payne though is like congratulations on his puby beard that he's managed to grow. Has he, <laughs> does he have a little pube face now? Oh, he does. I. Who's, who's little pube face? Who's little pube face? Uh, yeah, th- this is um, uh, an intent to remove the cap on bankers' bonuses. Um, Down streets ask ministers to ease restrictions on city bosses' pay to show overseas companies the benefits of Brexit. Uh, And basically, this is just a plan for deregulatory measures to reduce the overall burden on business and attract more firms to the UK. It's a holdover Um, from the European Union. There there were some rules that you couldn't pay bonuses more than like double the stated salary. So what all companies did, yeah. which is like pay massive fuck off salaries and then just double it up as a bonus. So that's how that worked. 
but now they just even want to get rid of that fig leaf because there was no cap on the salary. So you could just pay bankers whatever the fuck they wanted as a salary and then just double it and still technically be within the rules. Yeah, yep. but then then people could point at you and go, look how much money the fucking CEO earns or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now no longer. Now the CEO can earn £10 a year, um, but also somehow receive like a fucking £50 million bonus or whatever. Receive £10 a year and a, a series of glowing articles in the fucking Times mm. about what a progressive like hero the guy is. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Look how, look how fucking well balanced the pay structure is in this workplace. Yeah. Look at how many houses his parents bought him. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's it. That's that's where we are now. Um we'll we'll see how things go, but um Label's doing fuck all for it. The Tories are very obviously doing fuck all for it. And the only people that are really doing anything to foster any positive change is the workers and the unions. So Exactly. The thing we like to see. Natural order. Yeah, natural order at work really. Uh, that's um, obviously this is all real led. Uh, Rob, what's going on with the buses? Hello, it's David in the edit. Uh, we had a technical fuck up um, of fairly epic proportions at this point in the recording, in which James just completely lost the ability to record anything and pretty much lost everything that you've just heard, and we only just managed to recover it. For that reason, uh, James will not be featuring on the rest of this episode. We do intend to finally have James back for a full episode at some point very soon. But otherwise, uh, here's the rest of the photo was talking about what's going on on the buses. Uh, yeah, so this is something I've wanted to do for a while for a couple of reasons. First, because I just genuinely think it's interesting. The second is a bit more personal. My fiance's dad used to just be able to walk down to the pub, have a couple pints, and then take the bus back up. And then all of a sudden, the fucking bus stopped going, and it's really interfered with his life. And he's an 83-year-old man who now has to walk up a steep hill, which isn't as easy for him. So it's genuinely like a personal pain in the ass. Um, and the third is, of course, because we are recording on the day where the uh, RMT strikes have started. So I'm assuming that at least some of our audience has been stuck in the bus today. And if you're wondering why it is as shit as it is, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. So, um, yeah, that's it's it. It's supposed to be shit. And therefore, you should just deal with it. <laughs> it wasn't shit once upon a time it wasn't shit and then margaret thatcher got involved that's a very big well once, of once upon a time it wasn't shit for the passengers but it was shit for the shareholders so mm. shit for them <laughs> in the sense that they didn't really exist yeah technically a functional bus service is like an abortion for shareholders and who wants that on their conscience <laughs> yeah sometimes some things that is hard on the shareholder pleasure in reporting this yeah, life life begins at our initial public offering, as I think the saying goes. Um, uh, should, should we move past this and heal? Um, anyway, before I start start talking, couple uh, of credits too, because credit where credit is due. Uh, the first is uh, to Philip Austin Bassam. Kawaja, 
I apologize for apologize for mispronunciation. And Rebecca Riddell, they are the authors of the quite good um, public transport private profit report from the NYU School of Law Center for Human Rights and Global Justice, as well as the Campaign for Better Transport, as well as my friends at the National Audit Office for once again coming up with more good shit to read. Yeah, big ups from your number fan, number one fan, Rob here. Yeah, exactly. This is the kind of stuff that you you know, but it's kind of like when you start looking into it, you understand how critical it is. Like buses are incredibly important. They are by far the majority of all public transport taken in the UK. Um, On average, there's about four and a half billion trips in the UK every year, which for every single man, woman and child living in the UK, that's about 70 each. And some of us, of course, don't take any. Some of us take loads more. But the people who take them the most are the people you would maybe suspect. It's young people, old people, and poor people. Exactly the people the Tory party hates. So that's why I'm quite well, sure that's some of with why... The exception, with the exception of, like, the retired and old people, and hence hence the bus... Uh, the Was it the pension the bus, bus, bus pass? Yeah, but even then, I mean, like I was just talking about uh, my fiance's dad, like my, my father-in-law, he's still getting fucked over with this, and he has the, the bus pass. Buses are incredibly important. They provide access to work, access to school, access to supermarkets, high streets, your friends, pretty much everything. They are the literal lifelines for like any community, and especially for those further away from train stations or, or big road networks or anything. So... They really are incredibly important. And also, if you're looking towards the future, they're really good for climate change. If you add one bus service to any decent-sized road, it pretty much doubles the number of people that one single road can carry. And a fully loaded double-decker like you'd get in London, uh, it takes up to 75 cars off the road. And, you know, that's obviously incredibly important. And Most importantly, you get to pretend that you're driving the bus. Exactly, when you're on the top floor (laughs) in front of the big window, and that's fucking cool wherever you are. So public transport should be a right. Like, it shouldn't be a pay-for privilege. shouldn't be you have access to a bus. You should just have right to public transport. And yet, as you know, and yet, as we know, they're utterly fucking terrible. Bus service in the UK is maybe worse than train service and that's really fucking saying something it's and it is really funny because if we are talking about a world where we need to start take like you know not just electrifying cars but taking cars off the road you do need sort of like an interwoven web of different forms of public transport that you can effectively that's that's hmm? why we've got uber baby yeah so you can effectively get from point A to B to C to D. So, um, you know, because a bus to the train station, then the train station, or a walk to a bus to a train station to, a, like, a walk to work or whatever, or a cycle to work or what have you, is v- pretty typical for someone who works in London, but very much not typical for anyone else and it's really pretty, like, outside of major cities. And yeah. it's pretty basic. Like, I mean, I, I live in Switzerland and, like, Public transport is very good and integrated and it works and there's seats and the buses are clean and, and the drivers are paid. Like, it's it's really not that fucking hard to do. Um, unlike UK bus services, which 
through a combination of underfunded councils and, of course, privatization and, of course, Margaret Thatcher are fucking shit. And what we're seeing at the moment is that fees are climbing incredibly quickly. So demand is slowing at a time when energy prices are rising and the climate's getting worse. So it's like the worst possible combination because it just means that more bus companies and more like bus provision is going down the shitter uh, combined. Let me quote a little bit from um, the public transport private profit report. Some would argue that it doesn't matter who runs the system, whether it's public or private, so long as the actual service works for passengers. This reports that the finds that the very act of running a bus company for profit in a deregulated system introduces distorting commercial incentives that are in direct opposition to providing a better bus service. The British government has put its faith in the private market, but the market, by its very nature, cannot deliver. So, you know, the takeaway, as with most of this podcast, is nationalize more. This shit will never work in private hands. You obviously can't see it, but I'm doing Home Alone face. I'm so shocked. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Don't understand. That's impossible. Yeah, it's weird how you introduce a market into something that would otherwise be a natural monopoly. It just doesn't miraculously make things better, scare quotes. I mean, the Tories did put out last year, which is another reason why I talk about this issue. They introduced the Bus Back Better report, which I've read. <sighs> Fuck Read another catchphrase, you cunts. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when the slogans made sense? No. <laughs> I hope whoever's responsible for Bus Back Better printed that entire report out, rolled it up, and tried to shove it up their own piss pipe. <laughs> Inquiring minds would like to know if you're one of the authors and you're sitting on the bog, please uh, DM Jamie. Anyway, um, if you're a member the... of the NAO and you're listening to this, you should absolutely DM Rob, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Come on the right. pod. <laughs> <laughs> Unironically. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, our story begins as most of these types of stories do tend to do with Margaret fucking Thatcher um, because almost uniquely among all wealthy nations, the UK has adopted an extreme form of privatization of its bus service in the 1980s and that was directly linked to the Thatcherite spirit of deregulation, let's put it that way. Um, just as a brief intro... See, there are would... some forms of extremism that are apparently good and acceptable and uh, that we should carry on doing <laughs> and others that for some reason we shouldn't be. Yeah. Um... Anyway, very briefly, in the before time, before 1985, um, bus services were essentially uh, uh, regulated locally and monopoly licenses were given to operators who ran the routes with defined fares, defined stopping points, defined timetables, all of that. Many of them were either owned outright by uh, cities or councils or or transport authorities, uh, or they were massively subsidized and de facto public. Uh, In all major urban areas, Areas, local public transport authorities ran them, lots of local councils ran some, and long distance connecting bus services as well as rural stuff um, was run by the uh, in England and Wales by the National Bus Company and in Scotland by the Scottish Bus Group. These were just basically, I think I remember reading that like the National Bus Company, the one in England and Wales, had like 9,000 buses at its peak. They were big like they were big operators and they were just owned by the state so it it, it did happen it was there Bring once upon back time. central planning yeah yes. i mean yeah on that point like it is funny how um and this this kind of speaks to sort of the b- broader conflicts that uh, sort of capitalism probably has is that 
when you talk about economies of scale, that's something that you know a private business wants to take advantage of. But as soon as you start trying to do things like that as a state, for some reason, a lot of people at the Am Smith Institute get very mad at you. <laughs> in between being sent to the nonsense conference of course um <laughs> however uh, rip, rip king josh <laughs> uh however the advent of the car uh post-world war ii of course changes things massively bus use halves between 1960 and 1980 and the financial settlement and the way the administration works uh, as it was defined before doesn't really work anymore uh costs and fares are rising uh incomes are, are slowing down which means that there needs to be more public subsidy put into the thing. Um, and of course, that means that when Margaret Thatcher comes along with her government and her hatred of all things public subsidy, that means the hatchet has to go into the forehead. Um, I mean, it's, it is really fucking stupid, though, when we think about how uh, British pub, like British rail is, as in like the businesses that run the rails in Britain rather than actual British rail, um, is one of the most heavily subsidized in Europe. It's just that money doesn't get... For the worst get... fucking service. Yeah, for the, for the worst fucking uh, return on investment, which, again, is a thing you would think that people who are pro-business would want a good thing of. Uh, well, I mean, very similar things are about to happen to bus services in the United Kingdom. Um, so this is first laid out in uh, a 1984 white paper written by the Thatcher government. Uh, let me quote a little line from you. There is good evidence that services could be improved and costs reduced if we went about it in a different way. Without the dead hand of restrictive regulation, fares could be reduced now on many bus routes and operators would still make a profit. Very classic new neoliberal capitalism. It's the state is a busybody that needs to get out of the way and just provide like a stable framework so that private operators can compete for all the wonderful customers that are out there. So it, in 1985, we get the, uh, the the big deregulatory Big Bang, which is known as the 1985 Transport Act. It does two key bits. It deregulates a lot of the old stuff that kept bus companies and, and the stuff that wasn't public first in place. And it privatized everything that was public. These two obviously went very well together because fucking Margaret Thatcher. Essentially, in the before time, you had a licensing system. Essentially, if you lived in Nottingham or Doncaster or whatever, the local council or the local transport authority would give one or two or three licenses to a series of companies, and they just had to obey by the rules as set out. And then, you know, then maybe they turn a profit, maybe they wouldn't, maybe public, but that's it was a licensed system. Essentially... All the licensing, apart from London, which is a separate story, uh, disappears. And essentially what happens instead is now anybody who wants one, Big Dave can open Big Dave's bus company. They just have to tell the local authority with a window of like two months that they're going to do that and that this these are the routes they're planning on running. Um, it also set up my own like rogue maverick bus company just to, to take people to rural outlets. Yeah, you could. You, so far as I understand, you still can. You you could do that. Like you probably lose money, but you can do that. And it also removed the power of yeah, local. You could just you could steal the bus and the petrol and the drivers, and like run it for free. Yeah, <laughs> this podcast endorses the cool, cool crime of bus driver kidnapping. I swear there was um, a guy in the US who like stole a bus, or maybe it was like a like a subway or something, and just took it like and just ran the routes. <laughs> oh yeah, the, <laughs> we need, we need really more cool. heroes like that. 
Furthermore, because this, this is deregulatory, it removes local uh, council authority uh, from coordinating bus transport in the area. So whereas before the coordinating framework used to be set by the council, they said, you know, these are the number of lines they go here and there. This is the X and Y frequency. So they meet each other at convenience points um, and that it would work for people. <laughs> and we replace that with, uh do whatever. We replace that with 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 the 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 invisible hand of the free market, which just essentially groped its way up everybody's knickers over time. So now any bus company can register any service it chooses on any given route, as long as it registers with about two months in advance. So what naturally what happens is popular routes with real traffic on them would get massively oversubscribed and would get like hundreds of buses, while not popular ones with less traffic on them would have to be subsidized by the councils who were still allowed to put them out to tender for social need, but they would have to reimburse the privatized bus companies uh, for the losses incurred. So this is where like a massive hole in council budgets open up, is they keep having to subsidize unpopular or like low destiny routes like i don't know from from your town square to like a small village there's not a lot of people going there so that's subsidized and this is where part I mean, of this the problem is, this is, comes from yeah this is this is one of a fucking prime example of the the problems are bad but the causes are very very good you know like we have a problem uh, like a crisis of um availability in rural areas and yeah. the cause of that is all of those routes just not being uh, economically yeah, viable they don't make for money. a profit-seeking company. So yeah, they don't make money. So why should they be there? Fuck you. Oh, well, it turns out it's because it's uh, for the public good. Uh. Yeah. What if beaching, but you're not actually allowed to fucking do full closures? Um, yeah. And, and you just need to take it on the fucking chin for these things to exist. But the private fucking sector still gets a nice big slice of the pie at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that happens is, like I said, is a lot of centralized control that councils and transport authorities used to have is lost because bus companies, private bus companies, are now responsible for setting the timetables, opening new routes or closing them, as the case may be, and also even placing where the bus stops are. Like in this period, it was the bus company that determined where the bus stop was and they didn't have to talk to the council about it. They could just move shit around if they wanted to, um, and also in the is it, is it the same? Is it like similar with? Um, I don't know if it's similar with rail tend rail uh, contracts at least, but like the idea of just being able to change the fucking timetable at will with no like s- council oversight, just God. like I think removal of any democ- like a democratic accountability. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how it works for real timetables, um, but obviously they need to be kind of centrally organised because you don't just have that rail operator on that line. You're going to have like freight operators and stuff running too. That's true. So that does need to be centrally agreed. Whereas it's buses, so it's roads. So do what could you like, like. Could just be like the episode of Futurama where the mayor sends in more trains. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, and also in, in this new package of legislation, in the criteria for, for people to register themselves as a private bus company, there is literally no reference to public demand, existing services, uh, and other bus companies, as well, as well as local authorities, were not allowed to object if one private bus company decided to change things. So if you're Doncaster and you, all of a sudden your market is privatized and you know the, 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 the precursor to Stagecoach says, yeah, we're just not gonna run any buses on Sunday anymore, or we're gonna stop running them at five or whatever, whatever they decide, or literally we're moving the bus stop. You're not, legally you're no longer allowed to object to any of this. Cool. 
So that's the deregulatory side. The other side, of course, is the privatization bit, which means that the various bits of publicly owned or previously mostly subsidized bus companies should be privatized because capitalism they would be better managed and have more access to private capital read we don't have to pay for this shit anymore through uh the government budget they won't be on the government books anymore so this is the idea they and if you remember from when we talked about the first time i apologize jamie for when we talked about the gas markets for the first time they do the same thing this is essentially a very well developed market you know there's a lot of customers there's a lot of buses there's a lot of infrastructure there's a lot of bus stops all that stuff and now that the market is fully developed and the state has put in billions and billions of pounds to do it they chuck the whole thing over the fence for like a couple quid to the private sector so that the private sector can then go ahead and fuck it up and extract rents very similar and processes dry, and, about, in, and, about in, to and, and in the process doing what they always do in pursuit of profit drive down working conditions <coughs> wages and uh as as with all public services that this happens in um the quality of the actual service itself yes 100 percent. so uh all the subsidiaries because the national bus company used to have like lots of local subsidiaries they were all hacked hacked apart and then sold into 72 small pieces to the private sector um, which makes the government at the time a cool 89 million pounds after all debts and privatization costs were paid wow. off. So I think you can agree cool. that's really worth it. 89 more yeah. million pounds. I, 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 I gave my, like, all my worldly possessions to this guy and he gave me these really cool beans. <laughs> oh, we, we love magic beans. <laughs> David, in case you were wondering, uh, the Scottish public bus agency is also dissolved in 1988, um, and it mm-hmm. was split up into 10 new companies. So all of a sudden, instead Yay. of like a, a couple recognizable ones, there's like more than 100 running around if you add everything uh, together. And also, furthermore, because of this, is, this is all deregulatory, councils also get the power as well as strong incentives to sell their local publicly owned bus companies. Uh, and in the end, in, by 1997, only 7% of all bus companies remain in the hands of a council. 93% is all sold off. And naturally, what happens because of the efficiency in the private market over time is that these 92 uh, uh, smaller companies are amalgamated and get sold off and then that's how you end up with stagecoach and like four others oh no the tendency (laughs) of capital to accumulate no not again Uh, Specifically, London is a little bit different. If you're wondering where uh, transport for London partly comes from, uh, that's due to its scale and essentially you need public transport in the city the size of London. You can't do without it. Um, London buses are essentially hacked up into 12 separate parts, but they were still much more in arm's length, but still under the control of the Greater London Council at the time, so under Ken Livingston. Um, and after consultation to fully prioritize the whole thing and therefore get rid of the GLC control, that fails. Uh, and the, this whole project sort of sputters to a halt when Labour takes over uh, with Blair and it remains at least controlled much more by TfL, which, which evolves over time. However, the 12 business units inside London bus companies, they are still private They're just like TfL has its thumb on the scale much more than anywhere else in the country. And that's why London buses, quote unquote, work much better. It's because they're still private, but it's because there's a council sitting on top of them saying, no, you can't do that. And yes, you must run these routes here and there. That's why that happens. So there's a little bit of adult supervision. 
as adult as uh, some Labour councils. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, surprisingly, the results of the uh, 1985 uh, uh, reforms are not just a dramatic fall in the number of unprofitable routes, but also a mega jump um, in the in the routes on the lines that do make mo- make money. With buses essentially just like coming and going all the time because there's passengers to pick them up. Um, and this like duplicate bus system is only resolved with additional regulation in 1993. But you do also get something that still went on, I think, even last decade. Very intense competition between now private operators for the handful of really profitable routes. And these are essentially known as the bus wars, which is amazing. Not as cool as it sounds, I presume. <laughs> so, no. so for, to give you an example, uh, uh, one of the bus companies running in Cardiff was operating uh, a very popular route at a massive loss, uh, simply so it could drive its new competitor out of business. And once their competitor went out of business, the cheap tickets were also suddenly gone. Um, yeah. And on the 192 uh, Manchester to Stockport line, uh, UK North and Stagecoach essentially went to war. And according to the BBC, both bus companies have increased the number of buses on the route. And passengers say the volume of bus vehicles has made boarding the buses dangerous. So <laughs> they... <laughs> Literally sending in more buses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, you're right. This isn't really as exciting as it says. I thought this was maybe going to be something like the ice cream walls type stuff that's exactly but, what i thought of actually. yeah <laughs> but no alas unfortunately not uh so essentially what you get is a a total dissolution of a unified and comprehensible and controlled social system because there is no private incentive if you have 82 bus companies competing or slowly over time like five or eight they have no incentive to create a unified and comprehensible system. And if you ever are sitting there at your bus stop or at the train station while you're waiting 45 minutes for a bus or why your bus service isn't linked up to when the train arrives or why there's no normal human links into your town or village on a Sunday, this is why. This, this, is, this 1985 bill is the start of all that fucking shit, essentially. Uh, but it wasn't supposed to be this way. Uh, the... In the report that I cited before, Public Service Private Profit, uh, they have a wonderful sort of com- compare and contrast between the 1984 uh, white paper and what is then written in the Bus Back Better strategy paper in uh, 2021. So I'll just read you a few. 1984 white paper. Competition will also bring continuing pressure to keep costs down. 2021. Average bus fares have increased by, increased by 403% since 1987. Oh boy, how how wages done in that time? Oh oh no, this graph looks very sad. <laughs> um, <laughs> nineteen eighty four. If one operator fails to provide a service that is wanted, another will step up. Twenty twenty one. Many communities have lost their daily bus service altogether. Others only have service for a few hours a day. Again, you know that's because it's not profitable for bus companies to do it. They want to squeeze as many passengers in to fill the bus and if that means you have to wait for three hours until that bus is full for its trip that's what they're going to make you do um 1984 transfer to the private sector removes any potential future liability from the taxpayer to provide capital or make good losses in the busing sector guess what happens 
2021. <laughs> few, few services could now survive without emergency state support. If we are not to entirely abandon communities, services cannot be planned on a purely commercial basis. So some kind of central planning. Yes, some kind <laughs> of centralized <laughs> thing. And essentially from a different report, but outside TfL in London, uh, the government, as it stands now, pays about two billion a year through like six or seven differently named funds uh, in bus subsidies anyway. So it's costing us like a, a, a shit ton of money um, to, to just run really fucking shitty services. To do the same thing we did as we did with Braille. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. It, is, it is really cool how I looked through how one specific aspect of the neoliberalization of uh, a public utility in the UK, public good. It's just such a great example of how that entire process has worked throughout the entire country, whether that be BT, uh, gas, water, uh, the mail, like fucking Royal Mail itself, you know, just... Yeah. Is any of these stories going to be particularly different? I very much doubt it. I mean, they'll be different in the particulars, which is why yeah. I do find the bus thing interesting. But the, but the broad strokes are all the same. It's because you're trying to create a market where there should be one because they are these are necessary underpinnings for a society to function. Um, <clears throat> and again, just to you know, hammer home the point, this is again from, from the report. Uh, South Yorkshire provides a useful case study. Prior to deregulation, the Yorkshire County Council subsidised bus fares, allowing travel passengers to travel at a low cost almost 24 hours a day. In 2020, a review found that the service has since become unreliable, buses are not integrated with other forms of transport, information is scarce, fares have consistently risen above inflation, and passengers must pay a premium for a ticket that doesn't restrict them to a particular operator. In the five years following deregulation, passengers' numbers fell 50%. So none of it worked. uh, How much did profits go up? (laughs) Yeah, well, massively, of course. And the other thing, I mean, that's the corollary to the side of all this is, you know, as the might of the car lobby grows and cars... Um, being incredibly important to like the Tories in general as sort of like a almost like a psychic object like car owners are incredibly important to the Tory party and therefore car car owners get get preference you know it's like the shit that we still haven't raised fuel duties in 11 years they have been frozen for 11 fucking years mm-hmm. not everything else though fuel duties have for, for personal use that's because cars cars and car owners are more important than anything public because the cars are yeah, well, by their very nature. You've got private. to lock down that fucking Jeremy Clarkson vault, haven't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So by 97, um, 1997, most of the 82 new companies in the market have been squeezed out, uh, and Arriva, First Group, and Stagecoach control almost half of the marketplace. And surprisingly, they don't actually compete. Uh, this is according to a Parliament research paper read on the sign. There are a number of wh- reasons why public authorities take issue with the deregulated systems. The five big operators, Arriva, First, Go Ahead, National Express and Stagecoach, effectively run monopolies in many areas. Even where two or more big of the big five operate in the same area, this has not always or even often led to streamlined services and cheap affairs. That's because yeah, capital like- at its end stage doesn't want competition. It wants a yeah. monopoly to fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is like having competition is expensive, and 
it is better to either run your competitor out of business or to just acquire them if you're fucking like in the tech sector or whatever uh or, or indeed any other sector which is like while we had the that fucking that other that bus company that kept uh ticket prices low just until the other guy ran out ran out of uh yeah yeah went out and of then business. they then they put the tickets up and squeezed the now yeah. monopolized population for they were corner the market and raise the price it's fucking that literally like market economics 101 yeah it's just disruption yeah yeah and i mean it gets worse because according to the nao effectively private bus companies and the big five in particular they are not actually legally accountable to the department of transport even if it wanted to do anything or local authorities and they are not formally accountable fantastically for the reliability or punctuality of bus services so you can't sue them you, well, you, you have no legal recourse if they decide to fuck you and your service. This is just uh, the fucking MOD and the recruitment thing again, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, essentially, between 2000 and now, there's a relentless squeeze on all things public. And because there's still a, a statute on the books that says if the bus routes are incredibly unprofitable but necessary for social need, like running a, a bus from the center of Doncaster to a small village somewhere, the, the local authorities are still on the hook for paying for that. But, of course, what then happens is George Osborne and austerity. Um, and since they and the Lib Dems, of course, let's not forget those little shits, implemented austerity, local funding for buses has fallen by 50%. So it was already bad, but the stuff that you could still get, like what I think has happened, my father-in-law being able to get a bus back from the pub too close to his house, got cut in half, and the timetables are now no longer make any fucking sense. And that's because councils could literally no longer afford to to do it uh in wales for example um the cuts over about six or eight years were almost 40 percent of the bus budget so once that goes the service goes and the people who get hit are not the jeremy clarkson fucking car drivers they're the young the poor elderly and the people of the lowest income, uh, 75% of whom make their trips with the bus and those without access to private cars. So mm -hmm. the people who don't vote Tory anyway, um, and, and, and on the other hand, the people who, who do vote Tory and who the Tories care about, the people with capital, they're not the people who are on public transport. And if they do, they take first class train trips, which is still yeah. sort of barely functional. And in the austerity... But we're on this little bit, like, I'm just going to have a little pissing moan about um, the super aggressive uh, policies of free bus travel for the under-21s or whatever, shit like that. All they're doing is fucking subsidising private companies to do this. Yes. Like, yeah. private companies are still making profit off these fucking apparently progressive policies. There's no progressive policies around fucking public transport that don't begin with nationalise the fucking thing. Anyway, sorry, I just had to have a moan about that but we're on the no, 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 topic because that fucking does my sense then. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, give me a second. Um, also, briefly and hilariously, uh, 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 I think on the David Cameron, uh, there was a genuine hope that Uber would resolve the situation and just have, you know, the magic of <laughs> yeah, a wizard will fix, fix it. everything. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, this problem we've got, uh, some some solution in the future will come and fix it. I mean, any, any fucking problem that uh, a neoliberal government in this country has faced, they have, like... Like a genuine crisis, uh, they have said will be fixed by some 
miraculous technology in the future, yeah. whether it was the fucking Brexit Climate. borders issue or, uh, you know, and the, like, AI-driven fucking vehicle recognition or whatever the fuck. Or, oh, yeah, Uber will fix uh, the transport cost crisis. Absolutely. Oh, but get ready, because yeah, I mean, the bus back strategy David, David Cameron, though, right? Remember, remember, remember when, uh, when Evil, like, had banality? um right yeah uh and alistair like you were talking about before like it has been absolutely terrible for like bus drivers and other employees of these companies uh over time they've had significantly lower safety worse recruitment low retention uh low pay everything um, and that's because these are systemic problems caused by a near monopoly sector that seeks to ex- exploit its labor rather than properly pay it. Uh, in the last couple of years, and, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, actually, fire and rehire has been a great hit for all privatized bus companies. They've all been fucking at it. Um, and just to give you, uh, uh, this is a quote from uh, a bus driver, the uh, public transport private profit report talks to. I'll, I'll just quote him directly or her. Um, we didn't think it was safe. It's impossible to keep alert for that amount of time. When you've done, got all these passengers on, your mind starts shutting down. You're mentally tired. It was all about cutting the cost down to the absolute minimum. You end up with a feeling of absolute hopelessness. You can keep, possibly keep the service up. Despair, that's the word. I felt sorry. I really felt sorry for the, for the traveling public. Like, this is not the bus driver's fault. Like, don't be a shit to the bus driver because he's being extorted as much as you are and he's being, you know, and they should go on strike as well. I hope the first part of the episode was okay. (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's just just what happens when you're a service worker. You're just there to absorb fucking abuse, aren't you? You are Chris to the mill. Yes, it's the first directive of the service worker is take abuse from the worst cunts in the fucking country. I think actually that's the second. The first directive is none shall enter the forbidden zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and essentially, on the other hand, Don't what make keeps me happening tap this is thing. like <laughs> is between the 1985 deregulation rules and now, every single government—I do mean all of them—Thatcher, Major, Blair, um, Blair, Brown, Cameron. <laughs> Uh, everybody, like, they, what they all do is they put these half-hearted regulations and sort of half-fixes in and increasing gobs of public money that keeps alive a fundamentally fucked sector. Not because buses are bad or bus drivers are bad, it's because they let the private sector do what it does because they're all fallen in the same neoliberal trap, which is we can't do it, we can only be the manager leasing out the contract, that we are the letting agent of the UK. That's the role, and therefore it doesn't fucking work. It, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's madness. Oh, my We've God. This. <laughs> the, government, the government being uh, described as the estate agent of the country is just so <laughs> <laughs> sublime. Oh, my God. I mean, if you think about it, it's madness. If you think about the, the just just the pure business imperative of fucking stagecoach, stagecoach or Arriva or whoever, you cannot incentivize stagecoach on the long term to stay where it 
doesn't want to stay where it doesn't see a return in rural areas, in poor areas, in low density areas, anywhere where they can't guarantee that all the butts will be in seats and the route will make money. It doesn't work. It, even if they did make a return, it doesn't reinvest. It just fucks off to whoever owned the, the, the company. For example, in between 2003 and 2013, the private bus companies paid almost 2.8 billion pounds in dividends to themselves and their shareholders. And that's three, nearly three billion quid that didn't go into updating the fleet, you know, getting the, the the necessary but unprofitable routes going. It just sucks the money out of the economy and into the hands of a few people, and a lot of them offshore and increasingly foreign ownership. More and more British bus companies are not owned in Britain. They're just the money just vanishes offshore, and all you get in return for it is more public su- subsidies going to a hole that does absolutely fucking nothing for you. And then, of course, on top of that, we got Corona, um, where the government decided to keep bus companies, not bus, not the services, but the companies alive, and ended up paying. Um, up to 90% of all bus company revenue in in 2020 without any of the benefits. We didn't say, if we're paying you 90% of all the revenue you have, we want shares, we want control. We demand that you actually work with councils to put the bus services where they need it. We demand that you reinvest in bus services. Could you imagine if a left-wing government had actually been in charge of of everything during COVID and through that through that lens had managed to privatize a whole bunch of national industries yeah well no i can't imagine that but what i can imagine is the immediate coup that followed it (laughs) yeah but that that two weeks of free public transport would have been incredible (laughs) would have been fucking glorious (laughs) yeah i know well funnily enough um there are some like little projects that are going on in starting to pick up steam finally on actually nationalising some local services. I know Glasgow um, has had a yeah. kind of long-standing plan to to nationalise or re-nationalise or re-localise, I suppose, uh, the bus service and bring it back under the under council control. But um, I'm still waiting to see anything happen with that because, of course, the SNP are involved in anything remotely good takes a long fucking time if the SNP are involved. Well, I mean, the sort of kind of good news, David, is that Again, I, I'm I, my life is very exciting. So I read the bus back better strategy cover to cover, mm-hmm. um, and and that is like legally speaking, like regulatorily speaking, that is now once again something that is possible yes. to do. It's just not likely. It's very very difficult, and also it means a lot of upfront costs for <clears throat> councils that don't have money. Um, yeah. Some of the only places you might see this happen are Glasgow because of the amount of well, I know has gone into that one already, and maybe Manchester, I think. Um, Greater yeah, Manchester, Manchester is, is where they're, sort of they're, stuff there. they're doing it under that weak will, yeah. spineless coward, Andy Burnham. Um, yes. But that's because Manchester's Manchester's got a huge fuck off budget and they can actually afford to do this stuff. If you're Doncaster, you probably can't. Um, yeah, you're, you're fucked if you're a little council, or, or God help you if you're fucking rural. Yeah, uh, let me read you a little bit from the... Uh, this is Boris writing the introduction to the bus back better uh, mm. strategy. Some people ask what levelling up means in practice and what difference it will really make to people's lives. This is part of what well, it Usually means. you get another talent point, you get a few more uh, stats as well. And sometimes you learn a, new, a few new ranks of spells. As we build back from the pandemic, better buses will be one of our major acts of levelling up. 
Now, see if you can spot the contradiction in chapter 1. The bus sector includes many examples of success and innovation. Despite years of decline, the, qual the quantity of bus services in many places remains quite good, at least during uh. the working day. But, because buses have been neglected, their future is fragile and there remains substantial scope for improvement. So the bus sector is wonderful, successful and innovative, but at the same time, it is weak and fragile and there is significant room for improvement. Oh, hang on, I've heard that before. Are we doing fascist tropes about buses? Yeah, <laughs> is it rail workers? Yes. Because I've heard that they're critical to society, but yet also have um, no actual job or skill and can be immediately replaced. Yeah. Let agency workers drive the trains. <laughs> if nothing else, it'll be bleakly funny. Do you know what? I actually I saw um, someone posted um, a screenshot from uh, some kind of like ticket logging uh, software from... Uh, from some some rail line and like it was like pages and pages of trains being routed to the wrong wrong lines because of signal fate because of uh, idiots being behind the signals. It's great. Excellent. <laughs> Tell oh, you well, what, well, if, well, if nothing else, agency staff will keep well. There's a problem in business for years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you need to, you need to get the agency staff in though, because if you don't, then all the trains get cancelled, and it's just like Sarajevo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was such a fucking banger! I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, the, sure. the whole report. If you read it, and you know, you won't, but I did. Um, the whole report is incredibly good at denying blame or pointing fingers or saying this is what happened and who made the decisions. It's just stuff happened. It's like the weather. Like, there's nobody in control. Let me read a little bit. Um, <laughs> since 1986, almost uniquely in the developed world, buses in Britain, brackets outside London, have been organized on a predominantly commercial basis, with operators themselves deciding where to run and what to change. Who did this? Why did they do it? Uh -huh. It was just, you know, <laughs> everybody just well, decided buses... to get up one day and get nutty with it. Yeah, buses and uh, bus stops, ever since we dug them out of the ground from that uh, ancient civilization, uh, they've just been like this, and there's no way to change it because we fundamentally don't understand the technology behind them. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. We, we don't know how to work out the ley lanes anymore, um, and, and, that's, <laughs> and that's the problem. That's why it was called British Leyland. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I'm just, thinking, I'm just sat here thinking that, like, Imagine if Prometheus had been about like those fucking ancient engineers that like would instead of like chasing people around and like spraying fucking like like black jays everywhere, they were actually running bus companies. It would have been a much better <laughs> film, I think. <laughs> I thought you meant the uh, like ancient mythic Prometheus. Prometheus stole technology for buses from the gods and uh, is destined to be chased by an eagle for the rest of his life. Rest of his life. What, what, what were you about to say there, David? No, it just says there wasn't any black jizz in that that ancient fucking Greek oh, tale, was yeah. there? No, I thought you, thought you were going to argue about my fucking like interpretation of Ridley Scott's magnum opus. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I wouldn't, Dale. Um, at least not in this episode. I'd keep that for a cultural committee. Exactly, because this one is about uh, buses. What they're doing with the bus back better strategy, and see if you've heard this before. Stop saying that, man. 
they're devolving responsibility to improve bus services for to local transit authorities to develop plans in what are known as enhanced partnerships with private bus companies. Um, and in the report, it's made quite clear that most of them should be expected to stick with a partnership between the public and the private sector, something that I think we can all agree has just given us the best results in the last well, fucking yeah. four decades. You know, if you think about, right, a tandem bicycle. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, think, I think the only thing universally agreed on about, like, these days is that the function of government is, like, I don't know, some Chuckle Brothers shit. <laughs> I mean, frankly, the Chuckle Brothers get a lot more done. Yeah. yeah. And a lot more done that isn't pointedly evil cynical that we know of and and also if you if you're living in rural areas and you think well what does this strategy uh, mean for me um let me quote again new forms of provision such as demand responsive travel in smaller vehicles is part of the solution. Oh, so uber yes so uber uber and taxis that thing we didn't mm. have before that's I, new i mean even even uber which is you know touts itself as the as the killer of the taxi essentially is really fucking so extraordinarily expensive compared to yeah. even expensive private bus routes in the UK. It's fucking insane. And yeah. also, and it'll only it'll only get more expensive once they kill all the taxis. Assuming yeah. they do, assuming yeah. they do, I don't want to go on record as saying that. Like, you know what I mean? What if what if taxis, but driven by even more sex offenders, is like a a guaranteed like winner of a fucking business model? Because I, I I'm not so have sure. Have you considered myself, like. um Have you considered just making your business model owning the buses and also a bunch of the taxis like they have here on the west coast of Scotland? But Uber has this like Uber has the same fucking problem. Uber is not profitable in in low density rural areas. Uber makes its money no. by constantly it's having not even small in that- high density areas. See the, the the real like the real money is like if you start an agency that rents out sex offenders and then you get money from Uber taxis and bus drivers. <laughs> yeah, your um your portfolio is just a bunch of mugshots. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, if you're asking, well, that was launched last year, how's it going this year? Well, I read a bit in from uh, uh, the, the Better Transport Group. So the good news is that all 79 local transport authorities have delivered like upgrade plans to the central government saying this is what we want to do and this is the money that we, we, we need. The bad news is that the total funding request from all authorities came to just over 7 billion even while the funding available was slashed to 1.1 billion in the last spending <laughs> review. One in seven buses will be up to spec. Yeah, or, 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 or not. It could be less because, like, it's very possible. <laughs> Obviously. It's very possible that due to numbers Fuckstein that they took uh, a lot of the money that was earmarked for this, this strategy and then actually used it to pay 90% of the revenues in 2020. So there might not be even as much money as that. And then, of course, the question becomes, if you're the central government, if you're the Department of Transport, how do you decide who gets the money? And my guess is they're going to give it to Tory areas or like marginal Tory seats. Well, that's what that, they have oh, been doing. Yeah. That's what there they have been doing. That yeah. said, uh, there was a report the other day where it was like, if you live in a uh, Tory local council or a constituency, you're like 60 pound a head better off. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just hand bucket it. This this strategy, right? It continues just the completely busted model from 1985. It doesn't ch- fundamentally change it. It's just more money to the public, to the private sector, more cooperation, more targets, more partnerships, 
all of which in successive governments we've tried and tried and tried and tried again since the fucking 37 years we've done it it doesn't work because the partnerships are quote unquote it's just obfuscation all of it all of these strategies and plans and fucking tedious catchphrases are all just running cover for a system that everyone knows doesn't deliver what it is ostensibly meant to deliver which is getting people around when yeah. we when what the actual uh goal is is to just funnel public money to private hands which is what the entirety of the uh privatization of every fucking sector in this like in this country has ever been uh, over the world has ever been about yeah i mean the whole thing just doubles down on private companies not doing what they've been consistently doing for 37 years in the bus sector which is fuck you over and get more money out of you because that's the function of capitalism it doesn't give a shit about whether or not you need to get to your village from doncaster it really fucking doesn't this in this whole paper right it provides the option but it's only an option but not a commitment for new publicly or locally owned bus companies it doesn't remove legal barriers that are really high at the moment that would allow local authorities to regulate private bus companies in their area. And there's no obligation, no legal obligation for local authorities to run even like a bare bone public service anymore. Like it's just all left up to this, these insane enhanced partnerships that, that that simply won't work. Now, like, look, there's plenty of wrong fucking with, with, with transport for London and probably a whole different episode, but I will say, as a model, if you must have a public-private partnership, their services are integrated. There's control on the on on the fares. There's control on the routes, the frequency of the buses. There's you know, if, if the trains arrive, there's a bus waiting for you. All that stuff. There's the Oyster card. It's a piece of shit and it's expensive, but one ticket pays for everything. And they build buying more new green vehicles. And that's still with a private provider in the middle. Just one that's under the thumb of a publicly accountable yeah. authority. It's yeah, shit. it's actually actually answerable to someone other than a shareholder at any point of the whole entire fucking process. Yeah, exactly. And we were talking about Andy Burnham before. Like, Greater Manchester is only legally... This drove me insane. Andy Burnham is only legally allowed to do this public tra- takeover. That's because he's got the new, like, combined mayoral authority, like the legal hat. And if you have yeah. one of those, you can take over. But if you don't have one of those and you're just a local council you have to get permission from grant shaps at the department of transport to do it to to locally own your bus company and in the, then you have to wait for secondary legislation to pass in the meantime of which which was going to take like a year at most optimistic stagecoach is going to intervene and take grant shaps to a day at the races and fuck you over because they have way yeah. more power and lobbying power than you and that's how it always fucking happens amazingly so far as i understand it it's at the complete discretion of the transport secretary him or herself whether or not your council could even get that permission because this strategy document says it's they will the department of transport will only do it if they believe the local authority can do it and belief is made up mm. ah so it's economics right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if anything, the last couple of days have given me an indication of it's that Grant Shapps is actually a very reasonable man who listens yeah. to the people. I mean, in the end, I, like, there's no way, there's no way, like, any future, any kind of party or any one-party state or, you know, any bright future that we have to look forward to, 
if public transport and not access to, because that's what you have now, you have access to a shitty service to which you pay too much, but like genuinely, you have a right to public transport. You have a right to be able to travel to and from your work, your school, your pub, wherever the fuck you want to go. You have that right. You should have it enshrined in law. And you need, we need to cut out these fucking vampires in the middle because they're doing literally nobody any good except their fucking shareholders. And they're increasingly not based in the UK. So even if you wanted oh, yeah, to do... Your, your rights end where profit begins. Yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing we we should be learning is that uh, if the bus sector was anywhere near as militantly unionised as as the rail sector, then things might be not resolved, but might be at least a little bit better. Yeah, at least for the drivers, like maybe presumably for the passengers as well. At least safer, if you remember that that quote I read about the you know them being too tired to functionally drive, you know. Yeah. Like that's. It, that's like the bare minimum and like you look around like i mean the tories are obviously not going to do this because they're never going to do this it's fine that's that's table sticks but you think the fucking labor party on the keir starmer is going to do any of this you think they have the balls no, to like the go after Arriva? they fucking won't like it's i know it's a small thing and in in, in in but it's also a huge thing because like i said buses are really fucking buses are incredibly important to everybody all the time to fucking 70 what was it 7 billion trips a year or 70 billion trips a year that's fucking incredibly important how many hours people have wasted how many fucking money yeah. do people have wasted Keir Starmer's not gonna not gonna go after buses though because like they're too hard to kill with his SUV <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess we can knock that one ahead uh, so we have another episode potentially coming out soon um, another after dark so that we can re-sane James in the, the, the post-by-election yeah. period. Can you um, hear the excitement in David's voice? <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the, the, the utter trepidation, yes. We've also got the streams, and uh, at the moment, still Thursdays only. I am hoping to get myself available for a couple of Monday streams here and there, uh, so we might be able to pick up two days a week again, but wait out on that. T-shirts you can get from uh, praxiscast.tmail.com and uh, there's a new one there is a new one there is a new one one for um, big fans of climate change and um, and and also yeah get get the fucking Chief O'Brien Union one Uh, now is the time rock up to the picket line wearing that shirt Um, exactly and and on the note of picket lines etc um if you're out and about and you do happen to see a picket line, absolutely fucking go up and give them a wee bit of solidarity. Let them know it's fucking great what they're doing. See if see if they want some fucking some water or some fucking scram brought over or something. Just I fucking help them out. Um, if you've got a wee bit of spare money lying about, then you know have a little look and see what unions are there and how you donate to their strike funds. Just just Google um dispute fund strike fund and whatever union it is that you're looking for and you should be able to get that um so definitely help out where you can and if you want to help us out where you can then you can go to patreon.com forward slash praxiscast five per a month gets you one bonus episode occasionally two um and we are working towards making that to a, a regular thing so yeah yeah now is the summer of our discontent yeah. well now is the summer of their discontent fucking get it up them yeah. Uh, so yeah that's it uh, listen to peace at home and we'll With catch you later yeah. yes <laughs> catch you after bye yeah. cheers everyone <laughs> <laughs>